And thanks, Satellite Sisters, for supporting the people who support us. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. I'm Liz Dolan. Uh, Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. Today, my conversation is just with my little sister, Leanne. Uh, Julie is off on spring break. She has her son, his wife, and granddaughter there with her. So it's just us, Leanne. How's everything in Pasadena? Great, Liz. Great. I feel like it was a triumphant week for women, at least for me. (laughs) Yes, for your part in saving women of the world, (laughs) I would agree. You're only doing what you can do. That's right. You're you're only one person. (laughs) So so we're going to hear about the International Women of Courage. Then you have a big spring break plan that is unfolding. Excellent. Yeah, it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then a complete reversal yesterday morning. So we're scrambling (laughs) to, to go on vacation. And you have science news, right? I do. I do. It is both the cutting edge of science, and where the heck is Monica Dolan? All in one story, Leanne. So for everyone that constantly posts in the Facebook group, where is Monica? I have the answer for you. Uh, and then we're going to also set up a couple of the things you need to know about our Satellite Sisters event in Santa Monica on April 22nd. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my other my new podcast, I Hate My Boss. But first, Triumphant Weekly, and I was just an attendee at the big event you had for the International Women of Courage. But as an attendee, let me say, it was just incredibly moving, really, really moving. So well done. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you could be there this year. You haven't been able, you weren't able to come last year. You were out of the country, allegedly. Uh, so it was, it was nice to have a witness. My husband was able to come. It was a packed room of 260 people who were really, really interested in hearing these women's stories. And if this is a new concept to you, I've spoken about it a couple of weeks ago and, and I'm going to tell you again about it today. Uh, I work with a small organization called the American Women for International Understanding. And we collaborate with the U.S. Department of State to uh, honor these women called the International Women of Courage. The State Department does an incredible job vetting these women, bringing women in from all over the globe. They have a big ceremony with them in D.C. They send them out on sort of educational missions all over the U.S. They, they, some are in Minneapolis, some are in Portland, some are in Florida, some are in San Diego. And then at the end of their two-week stay in the U.S., they reconvene in Los Angeles where our organization throws them a big celebration. And more importantly, we give them a grant. So we yeah. raise money uh, through a variety of sources, and we give them a, a lovely celebration, and and then we're able to give them a grant so they can continue their work. And for a lot of these women who are coming from Bangladesh or Syria or Iraq, this money we give them is going to change their life. So it's mm-hmm. it's really, really, really satisfying. It was incredibly satisfying this year because, you know, the world seems like a very dangerous, terrible place, you know, particularly uh, particularly now. And some of these women are coming from places like Damascus, where you just can't imagine going to work there every single day. But that's right. what Sister Carolyn did. So it was a great crop of women. And they just all had so much to say. And they were all so smart. And they were all mm-hmm. really 
changing their countries, like one piece of legislation, you know, one piece of outreach, one shelter for a domestic abuse victim, you know, one law to stand up for, you know, against mercy killing. I mean, these are hard jobs and these women are doing it every day. It was just a pleasure to recognize them. It's fantastic. Right. The the woman that you seated me next to, and I posted this um, on Facebook, the photo of me with the woman from Yemen, who what she does every day is help keep kids from joining ISIS and Al Qaeda and try to reintegrate into society boys who have and then fled and are trying to get out. And you think, well, first of all, you think, wow, thank goodness someone is doing that. Then you think that is incredibly hard. I will never whine again. Uh, about my job. Yes. Uh, yes. I, you know, just in general, we should, we yeah. should stop whining every, like yes. the most, yeah. Most Americans. We are so privileged whining. in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. And you talk to these women and you really begin to understand it. And, and she was telling me, you know, first, I got out of these boys now. Technically they're war criminals, yeah. you know, because of what they've done when they've been in ISIS. So what do you do about that? It's an incredibly complex issue. Uh, but then she told me about her own experience as a refugee trying to get out of Yemen to come to the United States. And she's like crossing a body of water, ending up in Djibouti. She's in a refugee camp. And, and she said something that really stuck in my head. She's like, no one ever thinks they're going to become a refugee. This is not like a class of people. It's just something that sometimes you get pushed into this situation where you have to flee. And that is something that is really important for all of us to think about. Wow. Wow. It took her 25 days to get to the United States, which is pretty fast under the circumstances. Uh, So, yeah, that's... And Yemen is like the worst place in the world, right? Isn't it? Yeah. It's like yeah. literally the most dangerous country in the world. And yeah, she, she told- said, I said, ex- excuse my ignorance, but like, how does your country actually run now? She said, we don't have any government at all. We have a government in exile in Saudi Arabia. They can't get anything done. None of our airports work. None of our institutions work at all. That's why you have to get out of the country to even get anywhere else. You know, and Yemen is one of the countries we are putting on our refugee ban. And so that's worth thinking about. And, uh, yeah, it's an incredibly complex situation. And she wants to go home and keep helping. You know, that's another amazing thing about these women, Leanne. Right. They were in Los Angeles. They spent two weeks in the U.S. And now they're going back to some of the most dangerous places in the world to do jobs that are really dangerous. You know, every woman had a story like that. The woman from Iraq, I mean, she broke my heart. She, I saw her at a panel earlier. She wasn't able to speak at our event, but I saw her at a panel. And she uh, was uh, sexually assaulted. And so she was basically driven out of her tribal community, right? Shamed, driven out of her tribal community. In Iraq, there was actually, there was a law on the books where you could not give shelter to women like her. It was illegal to give them shelter or to raise money for an organization that may shelter women like her. I mean, (laughs) right. So what she did was sort of essentially create a network kind of underground railroad shelters for women who were fleeing this kind of gender-based violence 
which is the term it's a catch all term for just like every awful thing that could happen to women in other countries, you know, mm-hmm. from mercy killing to sexual assault to domestic abuse like that's gender based violence. And and then they actually started working on legislation to change the laws in Iraq, you know, to get to at least allow these shelters to exist. I mean, <laughs> incredible. I know, it's a really hard job. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and the the women in your group, they are from all over the world. We happen to be talking about women from the Middle East, but right. You know, the woman from Vietnam who won the award couldn't even attend because she's currently in jail. Right. Yeah. There is a woman from Peru there. She seemed lovely. Arlette uh, Bautista. And she had been uh, raped by a very prominent uh, man in Peru. And he was given sort of a slap on the wrist, a one-year suspended sentence, didn't have to go to jail for sexually assaulting her. And that was it. That was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And they started a campaign to have, you know, sexual assault victims, you know, get their day in court and equal justice. And again, legislation that bears her name now exists in Peru for sentencing, which, you know, (laughs) it's really, and, you know, again, not easy because her life was threatened as they go mm-hmm. through these peaceful protests. You know, the woman from the Congo, uh, she spoke. And when she said, you know, every day my government kills 50 people, you know, let's have mm-hmm. a moment of silence for the 50 people they've killed today or disappeared. You know, the woman from Sri Lanka, her husband was a prominent journalist and political cartoonist, just disappeared. And because she's from the majority uh Buddhist population, she has a voice, whereas others who are not from that particular, you know, who may be from the Tamil population, they can't speak up. So she's become the voice of, of the voiceless, she said, to represent the thousands of people that are sort of disappeared by the Sri Lankan government every year. So it sounds heavy, but on on the one hand, these stories are serious and, and it is heavy, but the night itself had a lot of joy and sisterhood and solidarity. You know? Oh, so much. They are so happy to be together uh, as a group. And they are so happy to know that people in the rest of the world, but particularly women in the United States, are here for them and recognize the work that they are doing. It's like for they have a long, hard life, but occasionally a moment of light that just to for someone to say, we see what you are doing and we are going to help advance what you were doing. Clearly, it's incredibly emotional for them to be recognized. You know, my favorite part of the night, part my job in this whole uh, organization, we are a very small little committee that manages to pull this off. So everyone does about 96 things. And, um, and I, I have interest in almost none of them, like, you know, the seating chart or chicken <laughs> or fish. Like, I don't care. <laughs> No, you're the woman with the clipboard running the show. So I, I have sort of taken it upon myself to produce the live event. So, yes. and we have several speakers that speak. There are some videos. There's just a little bit of Hollywood because since we moved to LA, we need to step it up a little bit. So, you know, we create some nice slideshows of them. And at the end we put together, and I say we, and I mean me and my son Brooks. <laughs> okay, that's the that's the production company. Yes, there are many production companies in Los Angeles, none of which we can afford. So it's like me working with my son Brooks on the old iMac. Uh, so we put together an uplifting kind of you know 
feel-good video about all the women that have won this International Women of Courage and other women around the world that are doing things. And, you know, it's to a pop song. And it's a little bit of star treatment for them. You know, imagine a highlight at the end of March Madness. Well, that's what it's like. It's one shining moment, but it's better. And this year, my favorite moment was watching them watch themselves. Like, because they had a big screen. They were all on stage. And they were all sitting together. And it was the end of the show. And they had already received, like, a giant standing ovation. And and they just, like, them, watching them watch themselves as kind of stars for a minute was really great. That was a nice moment. So uh, that was a great moment. So I was, I'm always grateful. I am always grateful when things like this are over because, you know, you feel like, I don't want to mess this up. And then, or you start to whine and complain about, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And then, and then, you know, the, the nun from Damascus talks about like, her attitude is just keep moving forward because that's what she does every way to every day to going to the nursery school she works at she runs for both christian and muslim children she has to keep moving forward because the bombs are dropping out of the sky wow wow yeah okay well there's some uh i posted a little video of you and the whole gang cheering at the end of the night so i hope people got a chance to see that uh because your video that you did that is so nice, I believe that's illegal music you're using on that. We can't post it is. that on I Facebook. I can't post any of the videos. I know. I can't post. That's, I, I can't that's really... the way it works at these things. I'm sure Katy Perry wouldn't mind, Liz, but you can't. Don't even say her name, Liz. Don't, don't say her name, Liz. In case you're listening, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. It's not really you. That's Please don't send us a bill. Pop song. Pop song, Liz. <laughs> No, no, but uh, I will be doing a wrap-up article and posting links to that. It's, again, a small committee, so I produce the show, and then I have to do all the follow-up media. And, of course, not here's here's what I learned, the International Women of Courage Awards, Liz. On Friday, my modem blew out, okay? (laughs) Blew out. Just blew up. I have 500 photos to go through, all this stuff to do. No Wi-Fi into the house. And I was on with the lovely Sam from AT&T for 87 minutes. At no oh, time wow. in that 87 minutes did I raise my voice. Did I get snotty? I thought of those women. I'm like, yeah. okay, so my modem's out. Okay, so I'm on, on with It could Sam. be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. Could be mm-hmm. could be really a lot worse. But no, and we feel very honored to be able to work with the State Department and the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs on this. You know, we just enjoy doing it. All, all the women are there for very different reasons on my committee. I like the committee, too. It's multi-generational, which is mm-hmm. really nice. I've gotten to know some really interesting women. Everyone sort of has a different specialty, a different way in, you know, why they ended up here. So uh, I only knew one other woman on the committee when I joined. So I've gotten to know a lot of different people here. So I really enjoy it. So we're marching forward. We're marching forward with this. But it was a really, really a great night. And I'm, you know, just means a lot to be able to help those women out directly, you know, to carry on their work is, is. Well, well done, Citizen Dolan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Uh, All right. And one other thing I want to say about the event on April 22nd, we know that many of you cannot be there in person, though it sounds like a lot of you are coming, which is super exciting. I went over and I scouted the Santa Monica Public Library last weekend, and I'm going to be posting videos for you of like where to go. 
so that, you know, so that you're confident about where you're headed. Uh, but we'll also be uh, Facebook living the event. And because I got my next door neighbor, Deborah, to agree to do that. And uh, once Julie and I tested it. So what we're going to be doing by the time you're listening to this, I'm going to post in our Facebook on our Facebook page. I'm going to post and ask for your questions for the Ask Us Anything session. Now, it'll be clear once you get there what you're supposed to do, but here's what I want to explain one more time. On Facebook, there's a Satellite Sisters Facebook group, which many of you are members on, and that's where everybody gets to post everything and everybody gets to comment, and that's the Facebook group. Satellite Sisters, we also have a Facebook page, which is what we, the Satellite Sisters, control. It's what they used to call a fan page, but now it's just called a Satellite Sisters page. So if you search on Satellite Sisters in Facebook, you'll see that it comes up and it says Satellite Sisters website, and you need to like our page for two reasons. First of all, that's where the Facebook Live event is going to be. Okay. Oh, to be, okay. All right. Yes. That's good. It's good to know. We're going to be on the Satellite Sisters page. So if you don't like the page, it won't be in your feed and you won't be able to see it. So please make sure. And the reason we do that is because we want the video to stay on our page after the event is over. So if we put it on the group, it all it's all different over there. So make sure you like the Satellite Sisters page so that you will see the Facebook Live event. And also so that you will see the post where we ask you to post your photos and then I'm sorry, post your questions. And we probably won't be able to get to everyone's questions and we will be favoring the people in the room. I'm sure you can understand that the people that coming in uh, will be asking us questions, too. But I think it's going to be really fun. Ask us anything uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So that's the important thing. Like the Facebook page. There you have it. (laughs) I feel like the the woman who doesn't know how to charge her suitcase. Yeah. You know, like the, um, okay. Now, speaking of complicated technology and science, I have a report about the cutting edge of science that also involves Monica Dolan. All right. So many of you wonder, where is Monica? What's Monica up to? You know, of course, she's coming to town for April 22nd, but... We all got we got a total Monica email this week uh, that I thought I would share with you and then some of the news she was sharing with us. And it said, so Leon got this, Julie, Sheila, our brothers too. Uh, nice story in the Oregonian today about the study I worked on for two years. Even though I am not mentioned, I did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I gave all the stem cells to the patients. One of my favorite patients is featured, Sharon, who manages road crews in Oregon. I set up the interview with her, Monica. So, and she sent us the link to the article in the Oregonian, which we will put in the show notes for today. And I just want to share this because it's really, really amazing. I was very happy she sent this to us. So, you know, the key, Monica works at a stroke center. For those of you that are not totally up to date, she works at the stroke center at Oregon Health Sciences University. And uh, what she does, she is one of the medical researchers there when they're testing these new drugs, where she is the one that gets called in the middle of the night or in the middle of the afternoon, or if they have a patient who comes in who fits the protocol for the drug they are studying. 
it's Monica that rushes in and administers the new drug. So the thing with strokes, I think most people know that, that normally this TPA drug has been around for a long time. And normally if you don't get someone treated within the first 36 hours, there's very little that you can do. This test of what Monica was working on was a stem cell infusion. So I'm going to read you from the story a little bit so you get it. So doctors treated patients. They say doctors. It's really Monica, okay? Anytime I say doctors, you can think Monica Dolan. So doctors treated patients with an infusion of stem cells grown from adult bone marrow. Unlike other cells, as we know, stem cells can become specialized to repair organs and tissue. So this was a randomized placebo-controlled trial, enrolled nearly 130 people, between 18 and 83, and 30 of them were right at OHSU. So again, Monica had 30 patients. The patients were enrolled after a severe stroke caused by a blood clot in a vessel that supplies blood to the brain. So uh, the patient would come in. They would see that they fit the protocol. Monica gets the call. She goes in, and they uh, and they administer these stem cells. But what makes the stem cell infusion really uh, special is that it can be effective way beyond the 36 hours that the old TPA drugs um, can uh, can be effective at. So the infusion's given over a few hours, allowing the cells to stream to various parts of the body, including the brain. Um, And uh, many stroke studies stop after three months. This trial followed patients for up to a year. So, Leon, you know this because we talk to Monica a lot. She's constantly leaving the hospital, driving across Oregon, finding a patient she treated six months ago, and like testing them to add more data to the actual study. And it's really uh, the part of the job she likes the most. The patient she loves care it. portion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is really amazing are the actual results. So the, and she's been talking a little bit to us about this all along. She's like, I'm feeling really good about this because you cannot believe how the patients are recovering. So just over 70% of the patients had a full or excellent recovery. And that's compared to 40% in a placebo group. And they tell the story in the article of Monica's patient, uh, Sharon, who had a stroke uh, on her right side, uh, within three days after the infusion, she could walk without assistance. Oh, first, wait, I should say, she was treated at a hospital in Roseburg, Oregon. The TPA didn't work, so then they airlifted her to OHSU. So that's when she arrives in Monica's life. The doctor at OHSU told her husband that she would never walk or talk again. Oh, my gosh. And- Yes, and I didn't read. Asked, I didn't have a chance to read the article. Oh, because I, mean, I had no real. I had no modem. You know, I had. No- <laughs> it's okay. I'll read it to you. Oh, yeah. So then she. So then she enrolled in the trial. Uh, she really had no idea how massive her stroke was, but it was really massive. Her husband knew, but she didn't know. Leon, three days after the infusion, she could walk without assistance, uh, though she could still not talk. She could only eat applesauce for about three months. But over time, uh, she returned part-time to her work. She's a traffic control supervisor. So if you can imagine, she's one of those people out on the street where they're doing construction on a road with the flags and directing traffic. I mean, that's what she did for a living. Uh, And within a few months, though her right side remained weak, she was stronger than most women her age after years of working out and weightlifting. She could load equipment. 
uh, and she relearned how to do this is important precise movements like applying mascara. Oh wow! And so um, she hasn't fully gotten her voice back. She can speak now, but her voice does not sound the way it originally did. But she says, "I haven't seen miracles happen, but this is really a miracle." And uh, so there you go. Like it's a, uh, this is really, this was a major test. So now what we'll start this summer is a new trial to confirm the results. And that will go on for a year and a half. And in the new trial, the treatment will be given only to patients within the first 36 hours of a stroke. So to see the difference. Anyway, that's a lot of detail that I wanted to share with you because this is what Monica Dolan does. <laughs> And you can see why she's so happy and so satisfied by that job. She has tested other drugs that have totally not worked. Uh, you know, that's the whole point of medical research. Some things work and some things don't. But this new treatment seems incredibly promising. And that's why she sent us the story about it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that is amazing. That's incredible. Good for Monica. Yep. I know. Yeah. I, out there doing the job, doing the job. Uh Okay, now the flip side of like science, more what I'm calling old school science. Uh, my ne my next door neighbor Deborah had a medical issue uh, all this week. She had had a bad cold, and her ears were clogged, and she could not get her ears to unclog. Ugh. and you know how awful that is. Yeah. So so she said she said I googled how to unclog my ears. She said, I got this list of like 13 things you're supposed to do. One is called the Valsalva maneuver. I didn't know this had the name, but this is basically where you kind of pinch your nose and blow air out and whatever. You sort of blow out your eustachian tube. She's like, well, that didn't work. The olive oil didn't work. The hydrogen peroxide. She said there was a long list. The one that I would not do, I tried everything. None of it worked. And the last one was uh, blow up a balloon um, from your nostrils. <laughs> and she's like, I just said, I am not doing that. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Just... Not doing that. I'm so, I'm, she... I'm so constantly stuffed up. There's no way I could do that, but never mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you know, the other things are like the apple cider, apple cider vinegar or steam or warm compress or chewing gum. She tried all of that. But then she remembered in her medicine cabinet, this has happened once before five years ago, and she had gone to um, a Chinese medicine doctor here in Santa Monica, and they had given her uh, herbs, you know, ancient herbs that uh -huh. solved. So she said she got out. She even sent me the picture of the bottle of the herbs. And she's like, okay, I have the Chinese herbs. I'm going to go with this. But they expired in 2013. Oh, gross. Oh, don't do it. Oh, I hope she didn't do it. She totally did it, Leah. She, she did? She, well, she called the clinic and she's like, I know it says they expired, but is it she's thinking like ancient herbs. Like, how can they expire? They're herbs. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it would just be, and I, she's telling me this, I'm like, wow, that is risky. So she said the acupuncturist told her to like stick a knife in there. And it all also gotten kind of hard. Stick a knife in there, chop it up a little bit. And if it, um, if it smells really bad, don't use them. You know, if they've changed color or changed smell. And I'm like, how would you know? Yeah, I mean, really, you haven't looked you at know? them since 2013. Do you really remember what they looked like? 
she's like, I don't know. I just thought like I am so desperate now. So she went in there and she chopped it up and she said she drank it. It's like drinking a cup of like dirty socks. You know, mm. that's what it, that's what mm. it tastes like when mm. you drink it. See? Wow. Sounds but, good. But miraculously, we went off to water aerobics this morning as we're driving to our water aerobics class. I was like, how'd the Chinese herbs do? She's like, I don't know. Could be placebo effect. But this is the one thing that appears to have helped me. Wow. So, whatever. I don't even know what to say. I just think incredibly risky to take old herbs. But <laughs> that's what she did. And, you know, you don't know about the power of the human mind. That's what's interesting about science. Maybe maybe it was just like, okay, this is it. This is the last thing I can try. And so it has to work. You just believe it works and it worked. So <laughs> expired herbs, you wouldn't think that would be the solution. No, no. I just thought it was funny compared to the work that Monica is doing. <laughs> Carefully controlled to your clinical study exactly. or old vial of herbs. Yes. Most most people would just as soon treat themselves with old herbs as, you know, the new uh, new cutting edge science. Anyway, so that's that. So but this week now you're off for spring break. Yeah, we're going to go. We just said uh, we we were there were no plans as of yesterday morning. There was only talk of maybe making plans, but uh, weather has dictated that we must go skiing. We have somehow not managed to go skiing this year, even though we actually have a ton of snow in California. But my husband's work schedule has just been brutal since December. A window opened up, so we're headed out. We haven't been skiing in a couple of years, so it takes a while to gather gather yeah, the, I know. the equipment. You know, skiing is just it's a lot of gear, a lot of equipment. And uh, I... I, my feet have changed so dramatically. I couldn't even fit into my boots, Liz. I couldn't even put oh, no. my feet in my boots. I only got one boot on. And then when I went to take it off, I injured myself like taking off my boot. So that's not a good sign. <laughs> so. That's not good. No. We mm. lucked into some end of season sales. We made a few purchases. We're going off. Uh, we're going off tomorrow morning, bright and early. And, um, and uh, here's well, the when thing. was the last time you and your husband went skiing together? Yeah, I, like 25 years ago when we met. <laughs> we met on a ski a ski trip. It was a wedding at Keystone, Colorado, at the Keystone Resort. Uh -huh. That's where we met. And he wasn't really a skier, but he was giving it a try. He's a good athlete, and I was a skier. Uh, am a skier. So, um, and so that was it. And then in the meantime, we had a bunch of kids, and we had to keep taking them skiing. <laughs> Yeah. So you've been skiing more recently, but it's yeah. always as part of a group, a family part of a group. group with kids, which is like three times the work. And you have to bring like, you know, eight million pounds of food. I mean, skiing, yeah. like we don't go out to dinner after skiing. We're too tired. And so, uh, so I always end up cooking a lot and doing all the packing and then this and then that. And does everybody have everything? And now it's just the two of us. So pretty, mm -hmm. you know, other than having to going to buy some new equipment, we might actually go out to dinner, Liz. I might not cook every single meal before I leave, which would have to be tonight. That would so be great. I wish that I wish that for you. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to just, you know, five days of getting out there on the mountain. I just love skiing, so I'm happy to be back. But while we were searching for all our ski gear, Liz, 
my husband thought it would be a good time to completely reorganize our attic and everything in it because we were trying hey, to find How can it still be? I mean, it seems like every weekend you say that about your husband, that he's completely reorganizing either the attic or the basement or the garage. It's true. How could, it, how could there still be things left to organize? I don't know. He just, he, and then, he's, then he reorganizes and reorgs. It's like, a, it's like a company where they just keep reorging, hoping for a different result. I don't know. So- Believe me, I mean he pulled he pulled a lot of tubs out of he pulled a lot of plastic tubs out of this attic, and one tub, I knew somewhere there had to be like one box of my personal memorabilia. I just didn't know where it was. You know, uh-huh. when I see people post post old photos on Facebook from high school, I'm like, where are my photos? Like when people used to actually take photos and print them, I know I have some. I know I have a few like old t-shirts from my Nike days, you know, with the good Jordan stuff on it. Where are those? I know those are in a tub. This morning it all came out, but the box of photos, there are some gems, like a box of photos, high school, summer camp, college, junior year abroad, and then a couple vintage Dolan sister photos. So- Oh, nice. When are we going to see those? I'm just going to start throwing them up on Facebook when we get back from spring break. I don't have time to do the scanning today, but there's <laughs> there's one that is pictorial evidence that I did, in fact, have a white jumpsuit that I wore frequently, and you and Monica are also in that photo. Okay. <laughs> there's one of you and I at the America's Cup. Remember when we went to oh, that? Oh, wow. Yes. I was working on that. That was like back in the day where I worked for a New York agency and our client was a sponsor. That's right. I forget that I took my little sister to work with me. tagged along. What, what, was, what were you thinking? Like you're, I'm 18. You're, you're like 24. Yeah. Why was I with you? No, I don't... You were actually, it was like, yeah, you took me everywhere. That wasn't right. <laughs> I know it's so unprofessional, but we did it. <laughs> we Julie did a... took me to her first day of work at U.S. Steel. We I were know. in a steel mill. And, uh... <laughs> what was wrong with us? Oh, there's. <laughs> well, remember that epic ski trip we took to uh, Utah when I was in college and I met you guys at Park City? I do remember. Photos yeah, of we... that. Photographic <laughs> evidence that that happened. So I'm looking forward to scanning a few of these. And then yes, just... because I recall the thing I remember most about that is your Daniel Boone headwear. Thank you. Liz. You had like yeah. a, a, a coonskin cap. Yeah. Did you not in college? That was your <laughs> official ski hat. I did. I know. I had, we had got, I'd driven cross country from Connecticut to California. I picked that up in a trading post in like Kansas or something. So, uh, truly. And, uh, so <laughs> there's, I also have a picture of me in the hat, not at the ski area in another area, but uh, just some gems. I mean, there's nothing like looking at old, bad, you know, out of focus yeah. photos. I mean, yeah. the Disney, they're not even good. They're just great. You know what I mean? No, it's yes. Just, it's just, there's one of mom and dad, like in the snow in Jackson hole when I lived there. And it's just, there they are. There's like 8 million feet of snow. There are the two of them. It's just a great, great job. Oh, that'll be nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'll post some of those, but in, in run in our run up to the you know five sisters, I'll post what I have. A lot I have a lot of cute photos of the nieces and nephews, so it's just fun to have actual photos. So uh, yeah. anyway, just okay. made me laugh. Just made me laugh to see them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kids today will never have that problem because every second of their lives is being photographed I know. and going onto the internet, so it will always be out there somewhere. Yeah, but back in the day. Not so much. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I mean, 
That's why they're precious. Really, it's some good ones. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad your husband unearthed those. A little family archaeology there in uh, in Pasadena. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, I have uh, an Operation Sea Turtle report. This is the Timing is Everything edition, Leanne. And uh, so three elements of this week's Operation Sea Turtle report. Number one is... The I tried a new body sculpting class. You know, I've been trying a lot of classes. I know you and Julie were mocking me last week that I, I tried a number of different like meditation classes. But, you know, I'm just trying to find one that I can really be at one with. But the same with exercise. By the way, thank you to people in the Facebook group who have been suggesting that maybe, you know, Joan said that Pilates on the reformer might be something that I like and whatever. But so I'm trying all these new things. But so I was at a new class with a new instructor that I thought I thought I was enjoying it until two things happened. And this is like, does this only happen in L.A.? Uh, the first is in the middle of the class, she says. Is anyone here an agent or do you know an agent? Because I. <laughs> I I need a new agent. And I'm like, so whatever sort of sense of peacefulness or focus or like, okay, I'm enjoying this, that goes right out the window when the instructor starts hustling for an agent. That is so funny. Uh, it, has that ever happened in a class you've been in here, around here? No, no. Yeah, it no. seems... That seems wild, but that is even more unprofessional than bringing your little sister to work. Yeah. But no. then, then like 10 minutes later, she said something that I thought, oh, my God, if you were in the class, you would, like, get up and hit her over the head with a kettlebell at this point. She obviously <laughs> knew one of the women in the class was a writer. So in the middle of the class, she turned and she said, oh, we'll just call her Mary. I forget what her Mary, um, does your publisher publish fitness books? Oh, my, oh my gosh. It just seems wrong. Oh, that's 100% wrong. 100% wrong. Okay, so one thing I know for sure now, the Friday morning body sculpting class, nope. Okay. <laughs> it allows me It allows me to just eliminate things from my schedule. So no Friday morning body sculpting. <laughs> okay, then I tried a few more of the meditation classes, which I got to say, are really working. I mean, I don't know if they're working for me, but I am in- <laughs> <laughs> I started to say Are you that staying awake anyway? <laughs> I'm staying awake and I'm enjoying. I even went to one which was all about crystals, Lynn, where you hold the crystals in your hands and then you hold the crystals to your communication chakra, which is your throat. And really, I have no idea if that works. How would I know? But one thing I do know is that it can't hurt, right? <laughs> How can it hurt? So I tried a few more things in... Um, in the in the meditation zone. So again, I think I'm honing in on the one or two a week that would really be good for me. And then every morning, um, you know, you get on the scale, you never know what you're going to see uh, because these things take a long time. But this morning, you know, how you have like, there are like chunks, like 10 pound chunks where every time you go under like into the next category below it just feels good right yeah yeah yes yes good. Liz yes yeah. so so I had I had one of those this morning which was good because I have been avoiding uh my former personal trainer for for four years oh, like really skulking around Santa Monica hoping I did not bump into her because 
this is a really nice trainer, Shirley. I worked with her for a number of years and she would come over to where I live six o'clock in the morning, two mornings a week. And we would work out just on the lawn in front of my building. I live in a condo building, but we'd just be there on the lawn and out of Shirley's trunk would be, you know, the bands and the kettlebells and the, and the whatever. And we would tie Ferris to the palm tree and we would just work out on the grass for an hour. That's how I got to know all of my neighbors uh, who would be walking their dogs or running or anything in the hour between six and seven. Oh, okay. Because, you know, we were just there. Yeah. Well, then... When mom got sick, you remember when we found out that mom had lung cancer and that she was really dying, that's when she moved in here and you guys were all here and we were all taking care of her. Well, like during that time, there was just no way I could also handle the early morning workouts. So like I canceled Shirley then. And then after, after mom died and then very quickly thereafter dad died, I just never went back. I just never, yeah, I I never called her back. I just never, I just couldn't. I don't know. There was something I just felt like I needed to do something different, but then I didn't do anything. So then like, you know, two years later when you're plus 15 pounds and four yeah. years later right. when you're plus 30, right? right? The last thing in the world you want to do is run into your trainer. Right. Yes. Liz. So, Good point. so this is why I have been avoid- avoiding this woman. Very mature. I think it's very mature. <laughs> I know. It's very mature. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just so stupid. And we all do it, but you just, it's just like, uh, anyway, so. Um, we do all uh, do it. Yes. So I had been avoiding her for years now, but in the last two or three months, I've really gotten on top of it. I've made a lot of progress. I'm feeling good. This morning's weigh-in was a positive one. So guess what happened? Timing is everything. I walked into the pool this morning and who was standing there but my trainer, Shirley. Oh, wow. And- and you have that moment where you're like, okay, should I just sneak by or should yeah. I even acknowledge, like I could just walk by. And I thought, no, because I was feeling like good about myself, that yeah. I had made progress. I, you know, she would look at me and she might think, ooh, she's put on a few. But if she had seen me six months ago, it would have been. <laughs> so it was just very timely that there was Shirley in my life this morning to sort of reinforce like, okay, you can just... You're you're back on track now. Life is good. <laughs> so I had a little chat with Shirley. She had seen on my Facebook page that that Ferris had died. So we talked a little bit about Ferris, and we just that cloud is now gone from my life, Leanne. I am no longer skulking around trying to avoid my former trainer. So Operation Sea Turtle timing is everything. All right, good work, Liz. Good work. Very so, solid. Yes, yes. It's um, yeah. That that. Felt just like fate that she would be standing there this morning. Um, and who knows? Maybe she saw me somewhere a year ago and <laughs> just <laughs> decided to hide. But anyway, first time I saw her, that was nice. <laughs> uh, okay, what else? What else did we have to talk about? Oh, the one other, okay, the one other new thing that I'm doing, you know, my other podcast, uh, which just launched last week called I Hate My Boss. We put that in the Satellite Sisters feed last week. I hope people listened to it and enjoyed it. It's a workplace advice show that I do with an executive coach named Larry Seal. And he's he's just really a good guy. Did you have a chance to listen, Lee? I did, did, Liz. I have to say, I it was a little weird to hear you doing the Audible ads without us. So uh, 
<laughs> and I was jealous of your good production quality because you go to a studio well, yeah. as opposed yeah. to, you know, sitting in yeah. your closet like we roll. But uh, yeah, there's anyway. some. Yes. Anyway, it's it's really been fun doing it. I want to encourage people not just to listen. Of course, I would love if you listen and subscribe. But we do a thing at the end of every show that's just called You Can't Make This Up. And we just take a story that someone has called into our hotline with, you know, just one of those insane workplace stories that you would tell your friends like at night after work or on the weekends yeah. if you saw them like you cannot believe what happened at work this yeah. week. So we're, we are collecting those insane stories. Oh, that's and, good. That's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. And I just know that there are people in the satellite sisterhood that have plenty of these. So uh, the the phone number is posted at satellitesisters.com. And also you can just go to at I hate my boss show on Facebook or Twitter. But if you have one of those, please, I would, I would love to hear more of those. <laughs> then one last thing, the, we were this week's show, which you can listen to right now. Episode three is about um, lies and spin at work, you know, and, What's the difference between just spin and a lie? And so it's Larry and I talking about it. And one of the things I do is I, I quote the the immortal words of George Costanza, you know, on Seinfeld when he said, remember, Larry, uh, remember, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it. And, you know, which I think is pretty much the way most corporations operate. Right. And so 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 I said this. And then after the recording, our producer, who is a who was very nice, super skilled, experienced millennial, said to me, you know, I'm just not sure anyone's going to understand that reference. And I'm like, what? Seinfeld? Seinfeld? Uh, I don't think that's true. I just know that like your son, yeah. Colin yeah. has watched every episode ever. Correct. Yes. That was his uh, summer project. Yeah. All 10 seasons, right? Straight in a row. Yep. And, yep. and our brother, Brendan's son, Sam, yeah. who's also a college freshman, also chapter and verse on Seinfeld. Yeah. So I'm pretty confident that people are going to have heard of Seinfeld. So yeah. Well, that's anyway. a good one to throw to the, um, to throw to the, you know, the Facebook group, you know, yeah. who's, we have some millennials that listen. Do you know Seinfeld? Yeah. Can, or is it quotable quotes? Can you quote Seinfeld? Yeah. I think and, there's been a resurgence, you know, they just sort of put them on Hulu. So that was the yes. big deal this summer. They weren't really that widely available, but now they were. Are. No, I agree. That's why I think Seinfeld is super cutting edge. But then I would also say that like, even if you haven't heard of it, do the rest of us have to pretend it never happened? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just the nineties, right? So are we just supposed to never mention anything that happened in the nineties? You can, you can Google it. Isn't that what you do on your phones? Just, just Google George Costanza. You're going to learn more about the world Googling quotes from George Costanza than you will about most other things you are actually doing with your life. I will just leave you with that thought. <laughs> okay all right all Liz. Right. i gotta oh. i gotta go oh, uh make some stew i'm taking i am making a couple meals to bring up there 
I got to go okay. make some stew and uh, and everything. One note, because of spring break, we will not be reviewing Madam Secretary this week. Uh, so we'll do a double recap next week. I know this episode was about Kyrgyzstan. Julie really mans our Kyrgyzstan desk at Satellite Sisters. And so we couldn't possibly do it without her. She she is doing she is also on spring break this week. So we'll do a double recap next week. I think I that's will look fair. forward to that. Okay. Okay. All right. right. That'll be great. Well, have a fantastic spring break. Thank you. you and your husband off together. Thank you. I'm that will be nice. super psyched. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just looking I'm just looking forward to it. Should be good. Should be good. Also, so much snow here in California. Yay for the drought being technically over. All good. Yeah, All so good much snow. I know. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Have a good week, Liz. You doing anything special? Uh, I am going to um the theater on Tuesday night to see a one-man show called The Encounter. It's this British actor, but it's here at the Wallace Annenberg Theater in L.A. But it's it's a um, it's the story about a National Geographic photographer out in the field by himself. Uh, but it's a it's like this experimental play where they tell you you're in there two hours, no intermission, and you're wearing a headset. So I have no idea really? what or headphones or headphones or something. It's so I have no idea what's going to happen. I'll tell you on our next show. But I'm kind of, I bought tickets like months ago and of course completely forgot. But, uh, so that's what I'm doing this week and I'll, yeah, I'll tell you all about it. Simon, Simon McBurney, the British actor is doing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's legit. But I don't know, that's all I know about it. No doubt that it's legit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Oh, Liz, I just, just looking through, just found a photo of the hat, of the coonskin cap. So. Oh, well, then. (laughs) It's it's a classic. (laughs) If you send that to me, I will put it into the show notes for today's show if you want. The first taste of the Leon Dolan photo archive that is about to be revealed. I think I'll choose another one. I think this is too incriminating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I got to get going, sister. Okay. have Have a great week skiing. Thanks. Thanks. And don't we're the satellite sisters. Don't forget. Call your sister.